0: when you get back to real life. If we truly believe our God is great, then that will show itself in how we pray and in what we pray for. So several Sundays ago, we were worshiping at a church in Greenville, South Carolina, Redeemer Presbyterian Church. And one of my friends there, he's a ruling elder, and he got up and led the prayer. And one of the, he said this before he began the pastoral prayer. He says, Believers should pray into the suffering of the world. Believers should pray into the sufferings of the world. When you hear things like airplanes being shot down, when you see wars going on over in the Middle East, do we pray into that suffering? Do we pray into it? Because if we believe our God is great, If we believe our God is the one true God, then we should pray into the sufferings of the world. James says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. You know why that is true? Because our God is not an idol. Our God is not a statue. He hears the prayers of his people. And that's what we're going to do now. We're going to spend a few moments praying into the sufferings of the world. And believe me, these prayers are not falling on deaf ears. God hears them all. So go to your God and pray into the suffering of the world. And I'll close out the time in a moment.
1: Do they need more?
0: Father God, many of us are numb to the sufferings that are outside our own life. But you're not. And I pray into the issues over in Israel right now that you will bring healing, reconciliation, peace. And forgive me, Father, for not expecting you to move at times. I think we all are guilty of that. Forgive me, Father, for thinking, well, that's not in America, so that doesn't really have any impact on my life. Forgive me for my lack of compassion, Father. Forgive me for my uh, lack of concern for the kids on the border thinking, what are they doing here? Why don't they go home? Forgive me, Lord, for not having a heart like you have. And I acknowledge that before you today. And I also pray for all of us, that we will be a praying people and expecting our God to move. For you have people all over this world in every country and every continent. And I pray, Lord, that, that you will bring healing where there's water, you bring peace, you give wisdom where wisdom is needed for leaders. We want to see you move, Lord. Use your church to bring glory to your name. And I expect you to do that. And you would do it for your own glory. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Read from words of hope for all God's people. It's a psalm that we all know. Psalm 23. Words of hope and comfort. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our soul. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though we all walk through the valley of shadow or death, we shall fear no evil. For he is with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. He prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil, and our cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is a promise, not because of us, But because of what Christ has done for us. Amen. 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 I forgot my book of church order. Thank you. Of the privilege of having a baptism. I'm excited about that. I know you are loud. Um, and I want to invite Janica Mahesh to come up. She has been worshiping with us for a a while now. And many of you may know her father, Vineet. He was part of the uh, provisional session from Southwood. And and so I'm really excited about being able to baptize his youngest daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Lao and I met with uh, Jenica before I went on vacation, and the session has also approved uh, for her to be part of our body today. And I'm going to begin by asking you to make a public profession of faith before the congregation. I'll read these uh, vows to you, and you can just respond with a yes. Do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving His pleasure, without hope save in His sovereign mercy? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of sinners? And do you receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he is offered in the gospel? Do you now promise, do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as become the follower of Christ? Do you promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of your ability? Do you submit yourself to the government and discipline the church and promise to study its purity and peace. Great. I'd like to invite uh, Larry Bricker, oh, he's one of the ruling elders here to assist me, and also I we'll would call Lyle uh, Lee to come pray for us when we're done. Janica Mahesh, I baptize you in the name of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
1: Amen. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this joyous occasion. Um, You are the God that hears our prayers, You are the God that loves his children, and you protect them, and you keep them, and you supply their every need. And so now, Lord, I pray for your special child here, that you will continue to hold her and watch over her as you have done thus far, and that you will give her the faith that's needed to continue on. We thank you uh, for allowing us to be part of this joyous occasion and to witness this great profession, and we thank you for uh, allowing us to be part of her life and her being a member of our church, Father. Um, We can't praise you enough. Thank you. Thank you. Amen.
0: After the service, I would encourage you all to welcome Jenica into our body. Thank you.
2: Great is thy you Courses Above They join With your strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all oh mine with 10,000 beside. Grace that sing it again. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning.
3: Here. First of all, the black pads on the inside aisle. I would appreciate if everybody would grab one of those and uh, fill it out as appropriate. If you've already put all your information on there before, you don't have to do it again. But please do indicate that you are here. Uh, we don't formally take up an offering during the service here at the village church but we do believe that the giving of tithes and offering is an act of worship so we do have an offering plate available if you do wish to give your tithes and offerings just before you go outside the door there's an offering plate on the back table back there if you have prayers that you would like the church to pray for the officers of the church uh, there's a box just outside the door to the left Uh, where you can put your prayers uh, and prayer requests in, and uh, the elders of the church will pray for whatever you put in there. So if you feel like you need some prayer, please put that in that box. We would appreciate it. Um, uh, We need some nursery workers. Um, Our little ones, all right, amen. Our little ones need you, and we need more workers in the nursery. Uh, if you feel led <laughs> to work in the nursery, it's an awesome job. You get to work with the little the little ones in the church. Come see, I'll say Lyle or Aggie or maybe even Waikita. I'm not sure. All three are good. Uh, we really need your help, and we need to, um, uh, for for you, if you do feel led, to please come and help our little ones. Lunch. We are having lunch after the service today, in honor of one of our families who's leaving, the Ross families. The Ross family, and we're going to pray for them in a minute here. Um, I've been given some instructions here, so I will read them, and hopefully they'll be clear. Uh, just to have a little bit of order after we leave the service here to go to lunch. Um, the lunch will be back in the kitchen area, first of all. The order is the Ross family first, since they're the honored guests. Followed by, followed by mothers or fathers with young children. I think that's very wise. We have set the downstairs area, the very bottom area, for um, for uh, children tables. Um, if you wouldn't mind, please r- immediately after the service, just kind of hang out and visit here for a few minutes because we still have a little bit of setup to do. Uh, and the men of the church, I'm calling on you to help bring some more chairs downstairs particularly. So just grab some of these chairs here and uh, take them downstairs. We're uh, expecting a fairly big crowd here. So, uh, Anything else I left out as far as the lunch is concerned? No? Any other announcements anybody has? Okay. Well, now we come to the hard part, <laughs> which is that the um, The Rosses, one of our dear families, one of the founding families of the church, uh, is leaving us. Uh, They have been called to go to (laughs) the Detroit area, and they are our dear brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going to ask them to come forward, all of the Rosses, all of you. And we're going to lay our hands on them and pray. So I'll invite the officers of the church, anybody else who wants to come forward and pray with us for the Rosses. Father God, we come with uh, heavy hearts because this dear family of ours, who's been with us from the very beginning, has been called by you into uh, the great north, into Detroit. Father, we know that this is good for the kingdom, even though it feels painful right now, and I just pray that your hand will be on this dear family that your peace will be on them, that you'll give them the power and the strength and the perseverance to uh, advance your kingdom so far away from us. Thank you so much for all that they have done for us, how they have poured out their lives on behalf of you for this church and for this neighborhood. Father, we just pray that you will be with them as they go forth from here. And that our prayers will follow them. In the name of our dear Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.
0: If you have your, your Bible, please open it to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 14. Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 7 through 14. Father, long before creation, thou hast chosen us in love. And that love, so deep, so moving, draws us close to Christ above. Still it keeps us, still it keeps us firmly fixed in Christ alone. These words are are from a hymn written by Francis Johnson. And these words remind us that God is a father long before creation. Back in eternity past, he he chose us in love. With a love so deep, with a love so moving, it draws us close to Christ above. And it keeps us, and it keeps us still firmly fixed in Christ. God's Fatherly love forever keeps you fixed in Jesus. But do you realize it? Do you rest in it? Do you embrace it? I hope so. The fatherhood of God is wonderful. It's comforting. For he is a good father to to all of his sons and daughters. And he gives them all a father, a father's blessing. That includes you. That's what we've been talking about for weeks now. And he doesn't have favorites. He doesn't play favorites with his kids. He doesn't have a favorite child. He loves all of them the same and equally. That means he loves you just as much as he loves John Piper, just as much as he loves John Calvin, He loves you the same. No matter what you do for God, he loves all of his kids the same. Regardless of their issues, regardless of their background, their color, their theology, their denomination, even their political view, he has a Father's blessing for you. And what is God's Father's blessing? What does it say? His blessing says this, I love you, you are mine forever, and I'm proud of you. Several weeks ago, we started talking about the actual content of God's Father's blessing. Uh, I'm sure you remember it, those things that we talked about the last time I preached. First, it was the blessing of election. Second, it was the blessing of adoption. And now this morning, we're going to talk about the third blessing here. Open your Bibles to Ephesians 1, beginning in chapter, chapter 1, beginning in verse 7. This is God's word. and things on earth let us pray Father as we come to the preaching of your word I pray that your spirit would be at work I pray that he would take these words that, that will come forth from my mouth and bring glory to your name and minister to the hearts of your people Preaching is nothing apart from your spirit, Father. It isn't. He has to supernaturally make this something. Make this time mean something. And so we beg of him that he will come. That he will give a word that is needed for each of us. Everyone here needs a word. Because everyone here is dealing with something. Everyone here needs to be reminded of something about you they have forgotten this week. And the Spirit of God, if you don't come, and if you don't move, nothing would happen today. Lives would not be changed. Hearts would not be changed. People would not be encouraged. If you don't move, I am just a man. That's all I'm ever going to be. I, too, am a beggar at the foot of the cross, just like everyone else here. I, too, need a word to minister to to my heart. So Spirit of God, our helper, our counselor, we cry out to you that you would be that for us today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. A Father's blessing is what God gives to all of his people. The third part of God's Father's blessing is redemption. The blessing of Redemption. First thing we see here is that the blessing of redemption is freedom. It is freedom. Paul says, In Christ we have redemption. In this term in that is translated redemption, it means to be released, to be set free, to have deliverance. Do you need deliverance? Do you want to be set free for something? To be released? From something. It means freedom. But freedom from what? Redemption from what? What does Paul mean by redemption? Is is it redemption from bad luck? Because some of us think we have bad luck. Is it redemption from injustice? Is it redemption from a hard and, and difficult life? Is it redemption for the government? Because some of you think you need to be redeemed from the government. Is this term redemption being used of good and innocent people? No. It's not. Any of those things. This term is used of those who are enslaved. Those who are actually criminals. Those who are actually in jail. People who are in captivity. People who are guilty. People who are under judgment. So it's not redemption from bad luck. It's not redemption from Hardships it's not redemption from difficult circumstances. It's redemption from captivity. Release from imprisonment. To be set free from guilt. Deliverance from judgment. It's freedom for people who are actually guilty. Who deserve to be where they actually are. The guilty. Not the innocent. This kind of redemption is a blessing to the guilty who receive it. Have you ever received it? Have you tasted of it? In verses 1 through 6, Paul talks about the, the blessings of, of election and adoption. He, he says, before the foundation of the world, the Father chose those who will be saved. He predestined them for adoption as sons and daughters. But David still, in, his, in one of his books, he says, election itself saves no one. It only marks out particular sinners for salvation. Those chosen by the Father and given to the Son have to be redeemed if they are to be saved. i read that again. Election saves no one. It only marks out particular sinners for salvation. It marks them out. those chosen by the Father and given to the Son have to be redeemed if they are to be saved. In other words, those chosen for salvation have to be set free from that which holds them in bondage. What holds them? Sin. Sin is the slave master. It holds people in bondage. In fact, all people are born into this bondage. All people are born into this captivity, and all people need redemption from it. If you are a believer this morning, then you have tasted this kind of redemption. If you don't, even if you don't believe it, you have. But, but what happens to us in the Bible Belt is that we, can, we, can, we lose our sense of taste. We, click, we quickly lose our taste of redemption in the Bible Belt. Why? Because we quickly forget where we come from here. Because in the Bible Belt, we, we begin to believe our religious performance, our goodness, or our morality is what moved us up, is what brought us out of captivity, is what brought us out of the imprisonment. We forget that we were once prisoners. We forget that we were once slaves. We forget that we were once criminals. We forget that it was our sin that made us enemies of the state. You were enemies of God's state, his kingdom. All of us were. Ephesians 2, Paul says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that has now worked in the sons of disobedience, among whom all of us once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out our desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were by nature children of wrath, meaning you had a death sentence. You were simply waiting for the penalty to be delivered. We were. And that penalty was God's judgment. His final judgment. You see, none of us are Andy DeFree. Man, if you've seen the movie Shawshank Redemption, you know who Andy is. He was an innocent man, falsely convicted of murder. And he was sentenced to two life sentences in the Shawshank State Penitentiary. Andy's innocent. We're not. He's falsely convicted. We're not. And neither do we find redemption the same way Andy did does. And if you if you saw the movie, you know he secured his own redemption from captivity. He set himself free. He delivered himself. He found his own redemption through his own work. But you can't secure this particular kind of redemption for yourself that Paul is talking about here. You can't secure it for yourself. You can't escape from sin's captivity and its eternal punishment. You have to be ransomed from it. You have to be ransomed from it. So redemption is not it's just freedom. Redemption is also ransom. The phrase Paul says, in him we have redemption. In him is a reference to Christ. Only in Christ can people be set free from sin and guilt, the shame of sin, the final punishment of sin. These are conclusive words. There is no but. It's in Christ alone. The blessing of redemption, like all blessings, are all wrapped up in who Jesus is. If he's not who he says he is, then none of this is true. I'm wasting my time, and I'm wasting your time if Christ is not who he says he is. There's no redemption in ourselves. There's no redemption in our performance. There's no redemption in our morality. It's in Jesus, in him alone. He's the one who ransoms you from sin and its punishment. Only He can secure redemption from those that God has chosen. He's the only one that can do it. The only one. For this is the mystery of God's will that He put forth before uh, before creation to sum all things up in Christ as the one who will redeem those that God chose for salvation. It was His purpose. That he set forth. A plan for the fullness of time. For Christ coming in the incarnation, he came to purchase redemption for sinful people. He came to do it. And you know, that wasn't God's plan B, that wasn't his second plan, that was always his plan. It was always his plan for Christ to come. To redeem God's elect. Colossians 1 says, Christ is the image of the invisible God. Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things were created. redemption included. So if you want freedom and, and release from the stronghold of sin, then Jesus is the ransom you need. The question is, do you? Do you? Even if you've been a believer for, for many years, you still need Jesus. You ain't ever going to get up to this holy mountain and say, I need less of him now. No. No. You always gonna need him. You always gonna need him. Always. How does Jesus ransom you from captivity? How does He secure your redemption? Retired U.S. Air Force Colonel Walter Hitchcock coined this, America, this popular American phrase that "freedom isn't free," and that's the military goes by that motto. Because as Americans, we, seem, we always forget that, that there are those out protecting the things that we, enjoy to, that we enjoy here in our country. Many soldiers have given their lives and lost limbs to protect the red, white, and blue. And the same is true when it comes to securing your redemption from captivity. Your freedom isn't free. A price had to be paid for it. A ransom had to be paid for your release. And Jesus alone pays it. He doesn't do it as a bails bondman. Jesus is not a bails bondsman who simply bails you out of captivity with your charges still lingering over you. He doesn't bail you out. He doesn't do that. He ransoms you out. Not with money, not with time, not by hard work, but he ransomed his life. In place of your life. And that's what sets you free. That's what sets you free. He bears the charges against you. He secures your redemption through the shedding of his own blood instead of your own. The punishment of sin is what? Paul tells us what? Death. And Jesus died that death in your stead, in your place. Verse 7, to him we have redemption through his blood. This is a father's blessing that he gives to his sons and daughters. Do you believe it? Do you embrace it? Shed in the Jesus' blood and not yours. Oh, him says, Jesus paid it all, and all to him you owe. Sin left a crimson stain, and he washed it white as snow. Never forget, this, his blood is... Is what ransoms you. His blood would never lose its power. Think about that. Let it rest in your heart and soul that Christ made full atonement for all your sins past, present, future. They're all paid for. The pavement of his blood. Wipes out your sin debt completely. You actually have good credit now in the sight of God, because of what Jesus did—he sets you free. And now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. This means you do—you no, no longer have to live in guilt, because you struggle with sin. You no longer have to walk around in shame, because you don't have your life all together. You don't have to beat yourself up because you still struggle with certain things. That's a blessing. Can I get an amen or something on that? I mean, come on. You don't have to beat yourself up anymore because you're not perfect. Jesus' blood covers real sin. Real sin. The sin you currently struggle with right now his blood covers that. And Jesus, remember, Jesus is in heaven. He's not in the grave anymore. And from heaven, he tells you to keep calm because I pay for it all. Pay for it all. If, if your life was like, a, like an Apple smartphone and, 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 and Jesus would tell you his sin, his blood covers all your sin apps. Or you know, in your smartphone, in your life, his blood covers it. His blood covers it all. I don't care what sin it is. What it is. The sin that you think you can't get free from. The sin that you feel like keeps you from him. He died for that. That sin. The challenge for us is to stop trying to get on the cross with him. He doesn't need help. He wants you to surrender it. Surrender it. Give it to him. It's not what you do for him. It's what he's done for you that sets you free. And when you start to believe that is when you will be free, when you live in freedom, when you live, not live in shame and guilt. When you start to actually believe Jesus died for real sins, not imaginary sins in a Disney novel or a Disney story. He died for real sins. And they're all paid for. All of them. Redemption is freedom in Christ. Redemption is ransom. And finally, redemption in Christ is also forgiveness. The blessing of redemption is forgiveness. All of us here trespass against other people. We sin against our spouses, our parents. Friends, we're against our kids, our siblings. We're against our church family, neighbors, and so forth. And, and your trespasses—they, these, are, these trespasses—are the sin that you that you commit against other people. And when you trespass against other people, when you sin against it, can it, 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 it put a strain on your relationship. They can, they can. Your sin can actually break relationships. It can separate, create a gap. One, one author says, it's very easy to plant a bomb in a peaceful trusting place. It's very easy to plant a bomb in a peaceful trusting place. We all plant sand bombs in our relationships and then we detonate them all the time. Adultery, lies, whatever you want to, whatever your sand bombs are. You plant them, you detonate them in your relationships. Sin destroys human relationships. Just like it destroyed man's relationship with God back in Genesis 3. And when that relationship is destroyed, that relationship is not long, no longer is a relationship of peace. It's one of intimacy, enmity, hostility, enemies. It's broken. And in order for peace to be restored, something had to be done. Forgiveness had to be granted please understand that redemption is not just about us getting saved and going to heaven. It's more than that. I hope you know that. It's not just about getting them saved and going to heaven. It's more than that. It's about the reconciliation of a broken relationship. The reconciliation of a broken relationship. Christ came to restore But sin destroyed in Genesis 3, God's relationship with man. That's what he came to restore. In order for that to happen, forgiveness had to be granted. Reconciliation had to be granted. And Jesus is the only one who can reconcile you to God. Ain't no one else can do that. No one else can give you peace with God. If you want it, and Jesus is the answer you need for your the despair. Romans five one says, "Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ." And in verse ten, he says, "We were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, Jesus." Reconciles you to God. Do you live that way? In him you have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of your sins. Not some of them. Not most of them. All of them. All of them. Think about that. He atoned for it. He paid the price for your sins. But he's also giving you forgiveness. Forgiveness. So that means all the sins you're ever going to commit in your life are forgiven. Past, present, and future are forgiven. With no strains attached, no stigmas attached, no shame, no guilt. You don't have to walk around with a scarlet letter on your chest because you have been forgiven. The question for you is, do you live like you've been forgiven? Or do you still walk around? trying to earn what Christ has already purchased for you? Do you? Where are you? From the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. Those words, it is finished, meaning, I secured it all. He secured it all for you. All of it. And so as you live your life, please know that all the days of your life, you walk around with God's forgiveness, His peace over you. Over you. And every sin that you're going to struggle with, Christ died for, even the one you hadn't committed yet. This is the gospel that we often forget particularly even in the Bible Belt, where we're, we're so focused on religious performance and how well we're doing. It's never what you do for Jesus is what Jesus do for you. That's what gives you freedom. That's what gives you joy. That's what gives you peace. That's what gives you rest. That's what keeps you going. The lamb who was slain The blessing of redemption, freedom, is ransom, is forgiveness, and all of that is wrapped up in Jesus and who He is. Let us pray. Father, I pray that you will help all of us to rest. And what Christ has done for us. To never forget it. We all are busy. We all have things going on in our life. We all have responsibilities. But never let us forget, Lord, the finished work of Jesus. That he paid for it all. He paid for it all. In spirit, we, we need you to help us to believe that. Not just in this Sunday service. I'm talking about in the places where we truly live in the day-to-day hustle bustle of life in the struggles of life in the circumstances of life let us, be, let us believe the gospel there that Jesus paid it all that Jesus did it all for me and that you have given us freedom and that we no longer have to live in shame and guilt beat ourselves up because we're not perfect you know that we are but dust. We are the ones who forget. Help us to embrace our limitations and help us to embrace the grace that never runs out. For redeeming love will never, ever die. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Will you please stand as we close our service.
4: we all get to heaven what a day of rejoicing that will be